2: Welcome into Wednesday, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, we are loaded up. And does Nebraska have a friend in the Big Ten? We know they don't have friends on ESPN. Talking heads, we'll get to that here in a little bit, can join us today. 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. And uh, we'll uh, take some emails as well at uh, chris at halevarsity.com. Find us on Twitter. Give us a shout on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio is where you find me, Chris Schmidt. Find uh, Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. That's where you go to tweet at Elijah. Elijah enjoyed the, uh, the, the video short you posted on your Twitter handle of uh, Nebraska riding a, uh, a bike, kind of a motorbike that had some some pedals. Trying to jump a ramp, that ramp was the Big Ten, and the Big 12 was the safety landing spot, and Nebraska fell short, crashing. How, how did you take yesterday? Are things broken? Did you jack your other shoulder wrestling out of frustration?
0: Yeah, it, it just hurts. My, my shoulder's fine, thankfully. Um, I, I took all my frustration and put it into making this video. It's, it's from the movie Hot Rod uh which is a great movie and uh define great <laughs> I mean I know what you're saying I think it's a great movie I give it at least 9 out of 10 okay but, there we uh, go but you know got to make the the best got to make some light of this this frustrating situation so
2: yeah we'll uh, get some news uh, from Ryan Day the uh, head man at Ohio State tweet came in from Tyler asking about the Big 12 schedule of course that came out And you have the Big 12 schedule indicating a nine-conference game slate plus one, the uh, out-of-conference possibility. And as you look at the Big 12 schedule, you see the Big 12 taking on the Big 12. You don't have that plus one yet. Does that mean Nebraska's in order? And you have a report with the World Herald uh, by Sam McEwen that says uh, athletic director uh, Bill Moose declining comment today on, you know, what's Nebraska's next move. They're just kind of staying silent right now after, quite frankly, having the uh, Pelotas to sound off their displeasure, their frustration and their questioning. And then they didn't back down. Right. They didn't. They didn't stand down with their joint statement between the university president, the athletic director, and the head coach. They're the the one Big Ten school that spoke their mind loudly and proudly. And they're being applauded for it in the state of Nebraska. They're being applauded for it around some circles of college football, mainly the SEC. And then they're getting blasted for it by those who have a camera and microphone Uh, You do have this comment from Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Uh, He said Nebraska has not been in communication with the Big 12 about joining the league for competition this fall or for membership overall. So that's the latest from Bowlesby. He wouldn't say, well, sure, we're taking phone calls from Nebraska right now. No. Um, So he's either not telling the truth or he is telling the truth. Well, right now, here's what's got to happen, okay? Here is what's got to happen. As much as you want to give the middle finger to the Big Ten, and maybe the middle finger needs to be given back by the Big Ten, if you ask folks that went to Northwestern, not all folks that went to Northwestern, but some, and, and you have different takes out there of, of, you know what, is this marriage done? The thing that needs to happen right now, one patience by Nebraska – let things play out. You cannot start swimming like you Tom Hanks because you're sick of being on the island for, for a third day in a row. Once the waves hit you and knock you back to the beach, you're still by yourself on an island. And you can't get caught snooping around. You can't get caught with a side piece. You can't get caught... Uh, texting that other friend you may have you just you just can't you can send feelers out but it's got to be done on your terms with people you trust i would i would think right and the big 10 needs to know that you want to be in the league right now or at least let them think that even though you've voiced frustration and disagreement and gone on the record publicly because you have a set of stones to say you're making the wrong call right now. Not that you've canceled football, but you've canceled football this soon. We'll hear from James Franklin. We'll hear from Ryan Day. We'll hear from Kirk Ferentz. We'll hear from some of the Big, Twin, Big Ten brass on, on their take on this situation, along with Ryan Day in a second. But Nebraska also, from a patient standpoint, let somebody else get out there. And what's your clout like in the Big Ten? You've, you've been in the League 10 years. You've played for one conference championship. You've been ranked a handful of times, but you've not kind of delivered the old Nebraska magic. I think that's coming. Am I talking three titles in four years? No, but I think you're going to get back to being a half of college football with this head coach and this staff with what he can do. All right? you, you just right, you're, you're just cleaning up a demo project that you inherited and a culture and a climate that just is not good for college athletes, depending on how hands on or hands off administration and a head coach is you gotta be hands on in college football. I believe that you have that with your head coach. Now didn't with your previous coach. So you be patient, you let things settle and you watch and you listen. And if things get closer to the end of September, where, yeah, Big 12 is going to play. Or, excuse me, first part of September, Big 12 is supposed to be kicking things off, right? That week zero. You, you watch and you listen. You you make sure that the ACC and the SEC do move forward. If people play this fall, you can't be on the sidelines in the Big Ten. And you can't go back against your decision that you made way too early. So what is the alternative. You need a running partner. You need strength in numbers. That's what has been great about the Big Ten under Delaney. And Nebraska needs somebody like an Ohio State that could have a very, very special season this year with what they've got. You need somebody like Michigan. You need somebody like James Franklin and Penn State. You need guys. You need big boys. Historically, you are as a Nebraska program. Recently, you're not. But you need a big boy like Ohio State, to echo your thoughts. And Ryan Day kind of started doing that today as Gene Smith uh, caught up off the record with the media and was saying, look, it's not realistic for Ohio State to leave the Big Ten. And right now, the conversation about fall football, that conversation is starting again by Ryan Day. And... They're asking questions. And you have the athletic director from Ohio State, who I think should be the commissioner. He was phenomenal on the Big Ten last night, Gene Smith. You've got Day, you've got Smith, you've got the school president. They are exploring all options. It's a fluid situation. There's a question about potential scrimmages between Big Ten teams that are willing to play this fall. The Buckeyes are trying to find out what they can do to play ball in the fall. Right now, it's an onslaught. You got the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 that are still right now, as of now, playing. And the Big 10 and the Pac-12 are not, so it's open season on your recruits. It may be open season on your players. And there's been no plan laid out at all. No plan of action by the Big 10 when it comes to spring football. How's that going to look? There's been no questions answered by the Big Ten about eligibility. What are you supposed to do if you're blasted financially as an athletic department, not to mention a city, in your football community with unemployment and folks out of work and folks just making no money to live and function? There's been no plan laid out forward by the Big Ten. It's a difficult plan to hatch, but have some sort of conversation. Bill Rabinowitz of uh, the Columbus Dispatch. This is his quote from Ryan Day about the possibility of other Big Ten schools like Nebraska, like Michigan, like Penn State, exploring all options. They are. They are exploring all options, wanting to play. It's a fluid situation. So Nebraska at least has somebody that is like-minded and now voicing it a day after the Warren press conference. And it was, I'm sorry, Warren's presser yesterday, we played lots of it for you. He was in over his head. He was not ready to handle the tough questions and didn't have an answer. He gave a lot of non-answers. So to, and we've all done this, we've had a brutal tee shot off, of, uh, off the old box and it's in a cornfield somewhere or in somebody's backyard or it found the drink. You tee up and that's your mulligan for the nine. Some of us have many mulligans per nine. And immediately Pete Thamel and, and Yahoo Sports were there to help bail out Commissioner Warren's debacle on TV yesterday with the Big Ten Conference. And he was able to directly answer the question because he went into an interview with his own network and did not have an answer. He, he did not have a yes or a no for a yes or a no question. With Nebraska, can Nebraska play outside the league? But he said, no, Nebraska cannot explore. That would pretty much mean they don't want to be part of the Big Ten. So this is all constantly moving, but this is good news. If Nebraska wants to do some scrimmages and play during the fall, and Ohio State's on board, say, yeah, let's, let's play some Big Ten teams. Let's at least, all right, fine, let's title it a scrimmage. This whole thing got screwed last week when the NCAA banned waivers. The minute you can't have a player sign a waiver to say, I will not sue your ass if I get COVID and if I have heart issues in, in five years or five days. Once the waiver thing was off the table, this thing's done. Now this is the topic: of spring football. And and Ray and and Ryan Day throughout his his Zoom call today was was just ticked. Lots of frustration. Jerry DiNardo is coming up in five minutes. We're going to talk to Uncle Jerry about you know a plan for the spring in thoughts on Nebraska, uh, the Ryan Day and Ohio State situation. But here's Ryan Day about a spring plan. He wants January to be the go date. If they are indeed serious about this spring football thing,
3: uh, in my opinion, our staff—we've uh, met on this, met on this with Gene—and uh, I think that starting, you know, the first week of January would be the best way to go. Um, you know, an eight-week season, um, and that way there is some separation between that season and the next season, and you uh, know, allow some of the mid-year guys to come in um, and, and possibly. You know, play a two for one. You know, they get two seasons in one calendar year, uh, which you know the the recruits I think would be really excited about. Um, So uh, that's that's kind of the the focus right now is trying to you know put this this plan plan together.
2: So that they're doing their own plan, and they're pretty much doing the work for the commissioner's office. As we speak, here's Ohio State's plan. What do you think of it? Let's move forward with it. That's your job, Big Ten Conference, Big Ten Commissioner. So the other thing here is tomorrow is Desmond Howard going to get in line to knife Ohio State like he's knifed Nebraska. This is Desmond Howard earlier today on Get Up. Uh, Off the top rope, steel chair, elbow out against Nebraska.
4: What do you think of Scott Frost, Nebraska or anyone for that matter, talking about, well, if my conference isn't going to play, I'm going to go find someone who does.
5: Yeah, Greeny, I, um, I tell you what, I, I have a bitter taste in my mouth about that whole thing. I think it's greatly disrespectful to the new commissioner, Kevin Warren, not only for Scott Frost to say that a couple of days ago, but then to have the chancellor and the, and the president of the university back him up. I think it's uh, extremely disrespectful, not only to Kevin Warren, but to the other presidents of the university and to all the other teams. Do you think that they're the only team that really wants to play? Of course not. All the teams and all the coaches want to play, but they're not whining and crying. And they're talking about an exit, talking about leaving the conference. I think that at this point, Greeny, I would demand an apology from the chancellor and the president and Scott Frost, and not one behind closed doors, a public apology. Or if I'm Kevin Warren right now, I'm working on the way to get their ass out of the Big Ten. Because they don't bring that much that they need to be the only group that's sitting out here and not only criticizing the decision, but saying that they want to leave the conference and play somewhere they ain't, 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 um, David, they ain't know the baby. They ain't got their own TV contract, okay? They can't run independent like that. They, they, they don't have that cachet. So at this point, uh, I day, you, if I was a part of the Big Ten conference, today I would demand an apology from them guys, but at the same time, Greeny, I'm working on a way to get their ass up out the conference. It's a two-way
2: street for an apology, my friend. You want to talk Disrespectful? it's disrespectful to communities it's disrespectful to coaches it's disrespectful to athletic directors to pull the plug this soon why again it's about vanity for the big 10 we got to be first we got to be right they may end up be being right there may not be a college football season in the sec in the acc in the in, in the big 12 But Nebraska told it like it is. Nebraska also spoke their mind. And they've got about five or six other programs that feel the same way they do. Ohio State finally spoke up a little bit louder today after the fact. Coach Donato's up next. Big Ten Network. Hail, Varsity continues.
1: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes!
6: That's awesome!
1: Brad Edwards coming up
2: from ESPN next hour. We welcome in with the Big Ten Network, the coach, Jerry Donardo with us, at Jerry Donardo on Twitter. Coach, thanks for taking time. I know it's been a, a crazy week, and I uh, wanted to, to get your thoughts on how things have kind of shaken out. Uh, I want to start off with uh, some Ryan Day stuff, specifically coach uh, his comment earlier today he, uh, ryan day uh, had a zoom uh conference call and and the gist of it is in part of the con press conference today he said that ohio state's still looking at options for the fall they're uh, checking into you know what it means for tv contracts they're asking other questions kind of some of the same things nebraska was was asking about and it's Ohio State came out in support of, of Commissioner Warren yesterday, but they're still thinking about some some fall options. As you see things from a coach and also from a, a guy that's with the network, what what's feasible here? If you if you deem things a scrimmage versus a game, could could some some doors be cracked here for uh, some exhibitions between big Ten
7: teams? No, I think it's all counterproductive. I I think that uh, it's going to go nowhere. I think it's uh, maybe make the fans feel better for a couple more days, or to give the fans hope, or give the team hope. Uh, The Big Ten conferences have never operated this way, and that doesn't mean they won't operate this way in the future. But but it's the first time that I think we stream schools. do things a little bit like this. I think the tone of Ryan Day is, is different than the tone of Scott Frost, although I think they're both saying the same thing. Is they want to find a way to play in the fall, um, even though the whole conference has decided not to. Uh, so it's, it's, it's basically the same. You know, Chris, I go back to, uh, you know, I do that end zone to end zone mm-hmm. on tailgate in the fall, and I was with Coach Osborne. I watched it again today to make sure I didn't misquote him. And I would misquote him, and I asked him about joining the Big Ten. And he said, you know, the the Big 12 was falling apart. The Southern Division was going to go to the Pac-10. Colorado wanted to go somewhere else. He said we were going to be the last man standing. And, you know, basically his message was, you know, the Big Ten saved us. You know, I mean, certainly he had a great brand to offer them. And that's what made it a great deal, in my opinion, and both both worked great things. But you know, sometimes decisions are made but not everybody in the conference uh, is, is is been alike. I mean, if I was at Indiana when they went east and west, and I saw Purdue go to the west and I go to the east, <laughs> I mean when I, when I was at Michigan State and it was leaders and legends, and it was two balanced conferences. I was fired up to be in the leaders in the ledges at Michigan State. But then they go east and west, and I go east? Was I going to look for another division to go to? So my point being is I understand Ryan Gage's frustration. I understand Scott Frost's frustration. But, you know, we teach our team how valuable being a good team member is, how valuable being a good partner is. Well, you know, this is a time to practice what you preach, you know. Ohio State, you know, I listened to that, that thing with Ryan today. I mean, he thinks this is a great team that he has. Mm-hmm. A great team. He thinks it sounds like he thinks it's better than last year's team, which lost in the semifinals. Of course he's disappointed. Of course he wants to find a way. Scott is your, your favorite son. brought back. he loves Nebraska dearly. He loves his players. But you just don't always get what you want. I think the better strategy is – and Ryan mentioned this. In fact, he mentioned this more than he mentioned the thing that you brought up. He mentioned more, let's get to work and start in January. Let's get a spring schedule going. Let's get this working. You know, if he said, I threw a pity party for myself last night. Now I'm ready to go to work. That's what I think all these coaches ought to be doing.
2: Jerry Donardo's with us. Hale Varsity Radio at Jerry Donardo on Twitter. Coach, a, a thought with just the timing of this announcement a, do you think there could have been a delay versus versus a cancellation? Was it too soon to punt? Is my question. B, big picture here. Ultimately, do you think the SEC? You, you coached there for a lot of years. Do they still move forward and play ball, or are they just are they just going to be the last to say we're out too for the fall? Yeah, I'll answer B
7: first. None of the qualified five conferences are going to play, in my opinion. Dude, what's happened, Chris, is the medical professionals, health professionals have presented all this information, same information to everybody, but people are translating it differently. And when the college presidents get involved, okay, it becomes very unpredictable. And what you, I think what you're going to see in the other three power five conferences is the pressure is going to be so intense on those presidents of those other power five conferences that are planning to go ahead, that at some point they're gonna crack. It's much easier for a college president to say no than to say yes. Because when a college president says no, we're not playing any longer, he or she has protected their students and their student athletes. When he or she says yes, we can play, the first time there is a tragedy, the first time this heart this heart issue comes Mm -hmm. up, the first time a student athlete gets very sick or got to big dies, or someone on campus. I mean, the closer we get to this, I, I, I think you're going to see presidents uh, take the same position that the Big Ten presidents have taken. And now, since I answered that first, I mm-hmm. forgot what A was.
2: Oh, the, the the question was, you know, pulling the plug too soon, being the first, uh, yeah, first yeah, power I,
1: conference.
7: I, yeah, I could see that. You, you know, I, I could see that argument. I, I felt the same way when it happened. I felt like, hey, what's changed in two weeks or a week, yeah. whatever it was? And, I, you know, I just think the medical information just kept building and building and building. And, 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 I, and, again, I go back to this idea, Chris, about the president. They just, you know, they got more and more involved. And, you know, they looked at the, the science and all that kind of stuff. And they just said, remember, you know, like the Big Ten was going to start, what, September 5th, right? So that's mm-hmm. not that far away. So I think the medical people probably convinced the president it's not going to change by opening day. Now, they could have moved the season back. And and at this point, this is an advantage the SEC has. They've moved the season back, plus the FCC has an advantage in weather if they want to play all the way into December. Uh, but, yes, I think I was like everybody else, you know, what's changed in two weeks? And so the only thing I can figure is they didn't think anything was going to change in two weeks.
0: Jerry, how... Feasible is even a spring season. Like, I mean, with healthcare and stuff, we don't know if anything's even going to change before spring. So, uh, with planning for a spring season, is that even going to be possible?
7: Okay, so here's here's how I've tried to attack it. I've kind of worked. I've been working on this like for a month, but I don't have all the answers. Uh, If 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 you are okay with saying that we won't be back to normal until two thousand, the fall of two thousand and twenty-two. And then we can say, let's try to get maybe 18 or 20 games in the spring of 21 season and the fall of 21 season. Then we have to ask the medical professionals, how much time in between seasons do we need to give the teams to rest? So like Ryan Day saying, let's start in January, finish in March. Mine was more start in March and finish in May. Okay? Okay. So I think last year, I think I looked at Ohio State's schedule. I think there was 136 days between the end of the season and sprint practice. So, you know, let's say we need approximately 100 days between the two seasons or maybe 120, whatever we're we're told that we need. Then we can do two abbreviated seasons and then get back to normal in 2022. But here's what everyone I think is spaghetti. The numbers that tell us this. There's 85 scholarships, you have 105 in camp, and you can go to 120 at the camp. I know Nebraska goes over 120, but every other school goes to 120 at the camp. Okay, not everybody's playing. Most of your team is not playing. So if I'm a senior and I play in the the first schedule, the the spring schedule, I'm not going to play in the fall schedule because my eligibility's up. So only returning players are going to play too many snaps. The, the spring season and the fall season. So let's do what Urban used to do at, at Ohio State. He has a pitch count, right? Mm. If a kid had 100 snaps during the season, he didn't do any scrimmaging in the spring. So let's come up with a pitch count where we won't let someone play 1,000 snaps and then too soon start playing another 1,000 snaps. I'm just saying there's a lot of out-of-the-box ideas that we can try to work on instead of complaining what's happened we can kind of work on this and see if we can come up with something that's acceptable to the coaches and, and the players.
2: Jerry Donato's with us, uh, Big Ten Network. Coach, a thought as we close, and it's fun, I appreciate your, your time, and it's fun to get caught up. A, a take on, on where Nebraska's at in the Big Ten moving forward and just uh, their standing uh, based on Nebraska's commentary uh, from the top on down, their frustration. Commissioner warns, really non-answer uh, on whether or not Nebraska could could explore outside opportunities. And then, of course, his sit-down with Yahoo saying no, that can't happen. Uh, is Nebraska in, in in the the conference? I.e., the commissioner. Have they had any commun- communication since uh, yesterday's interview on the network, or are things still? chippy with each side or are things chippy in your opinion
7: well i I would guess things are chippy but let let me tell you how i I would sum this up okay we teach our team to be good teammates and good partners it's an emotional game sometimes good teammates and good partners get emotional from what i know scott frost he's an emotional guy and he got emotional and whether he thinks he should have said it or shouldn't have said it, it doesn't matter And Kevin Warren has a job to keep everybody together. And I think that a good teammate also, when someone says I made a mistake or maybe I shouldn't have said that, the good teammate says, okay, I understand, you're an emotional guy. I felt the same way. You know what, I'm glad you said it because that's what I wanted to say, but I didn't want to say it and go public. So you know what, what the hell? It's all behind us. It's like having a bad game. What do we teach our players? you have players to be good teammates, to be forgiving, to support one another. We're going to have arguments in that locker room. We're going to say things in the locker room we don't, we don't really mean, and we're going to feel bad for saying it, and so on and so forth. At the end of the day, we have to be locked arms. And I hope that if there is any hard feelings that everybody puts behind it, because I think, I think, and I've said this over and over again to you, Chris, that Nebraska joining the Big Ten Conference was one of the greatest things that could ever happen not only Nebraska, but to the Big Ten Conference. And I'd hate for that to be diminished because it's an emotional game and coaches are emotional, and I know Scott Frost is emotional. Ryan Day is emotional as well, and I would say the same thing to him.
2: Coach, thanks for the chat. We'll get in touch soon. You take care, okay?
1: Okay. Stay safe, Chris. Yep. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks to Coach Donato for coming on and kind of laid
2: out his point of view on things. That interview is going to be posted on the Twitter handle, ESPN Lincoln. Also, the on-demand ESPNLincoln.com. So, as we were talking, Gene Smith came out with ESPN and clarified and confirmed that Ohio State is no longer exploring options for fall competition. There's not a fall option, just like Coach Donato said. We had hoped and just realized that not too long ago we're all about the spring and that's how we're going to set up. So you had the Ryan Day press conference that wasn't exactly in line. Yeah, the athletic director say, eh, you know, we're going to we're going to keep all options on the table. And uh, somebody from the commissioner's office probably said, "Hey, let's chat." Now the commissioner needs to reach out, and if they haven't already, in Nebraska in need needs to get with the Big Ten and just. Continue some dialogue here and and just, just chat. Nebraska doesn't need to bow to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten doesn't need to come out with some sort of revenge tour on Nebraska. Scott Frost said what a lot of coaches feel. He's the first to say it, and people applaud him here for it. Frost and, and the administration are fighting for not only their players, right? I mean the work they've put in and the ability to play, but I mean they, the the bigger picture here is the city and state economy. That's that's a that's a reality. Sock a little golf, and if there is no football, even if there was some football, it's pretty sweet to do a morning tea time on a Saturday and then get to a night game. We say hi to Shuey, Mike shueart from Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, what's up, man? How's your Wednesday?
6: Uh, it's beautiful out. A little overcast, no wind. Beautiful day to play golf.
2: Those putts would be dropping, I tell you. Uh, Shuey, what would you think of the major over the weekend? And That thing was so tight, was so back and forth, yeah. man. And it was, it was just awesome to watch.
6: Yeah, it didn't get any better than that. I mean, that's what they're all about. you got Who knows who's going to win? you got one guy doing this, then another guy does that. So it's like back and forth. That's what it's all about, exciting golf. A lot of great golf.
2: What were some of your takeaways? I mean, aside from the the jumble, I mean, you had changes in the leaderboard and then a newbie.
6: Yeah, I mean, he's that kid's really good, so that's not really surprising, you know. But it's like I always say, it's like you know, it's like when you get a bunch of guys that are on the top of their game and they're playing, it's like what makes the determining factor on separates one guy from the pack. And it's like you do things that are a little out of the ordinary that allow that to happen. And he did just that. He chipped in on a hole, and then he hit a tremendous tee shot on uh, on the par four Mm -hmm. that he made eagle. You know, sixteen. Yeah, (laughs) that was that was pretty. I mean, he stepped right up there and just kind of called his shot and hit it, and it turned out just perfect. And it's like fun to watch, you know. And he putted out of his mind. I mean, that was that was the biggest difference. I mean, he's ranked 132nd on the tour in putting. And that week he was ranked one. So, I mean, he he kind of did something that he hadn't done great all year. And then when he does it, that gives him a chance to win. So he did all the things that needed to happen for him to give himself a chance to win. And uh, it was exciting, you know.
2: Mike Shuarts with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, uh, a thought with uh, the Masters announcement, no guests, no spectators. Uh, Going to be uh, a different Augusta National. How do you think that is kind of circulating throughout the the clubhouses uh, and, and and the pros specifically with uh, with this season?
6: Yeah, I mean it's obviously very disappointing because that's one of the tournaments that is so you know spectator friendly, and the spectators have such a huge role in the tournament. You know, it's been around forever. Uh, just like if you go to the Masters and if you leave your little chair on a certain spot, people respect that chair being there, and they they won't move it. That's your spot that you have. I mean, it's just a very unique tournament that no other tournament is like that. So without having the spectators there, it's going to be a, quite a bit different. But they're adjusting, you know. It's it's at a different time, so it's kind of not that it lost anything. It's just it's, it's the guys are, are kind of getting used to it now, you know, without the fans there. So they'll adjust to it, and they'll be fine. It'll be still a spectacular event.
2: Shuey, so I want to switch to football. Your reaction to, to yesterday from the Big Ten. I know you've spent time in the Big 12, and I know you spent time in the Big Ten. And uh, what's your take on on the administration right now with the Big Ten? And what do you think of Nebraska's reaction, initial reaction, uh, to, to the cancellation?
6: I mean, it's – one of the things that's disheartening to me is, like, why cancel? Why don't you postpone? You know, because if you postpone, you still have always the option to cancel. When you cancel, you canceled. it's done. So it's like then all of a sudden, if something would happen to turn around, are you going to reschedule it then? So that, that's part of the confusion for me. It's like, why don't you just keep canceling or postponing? You can always cancel the thing. Like a lot of the other conferences that are still anticipating playing. They're moving their season back, moving their season back. It still gives them the option to go ahead and play. And then, you know, I mean, they, the reaction to Nebraska is a little disheartening to me, but understandable. I mean, Nebraska never, they have no respect from the Big Ten. The Big Ten's a blue blood program. And Nebraska, in their eyes, sold them a bill of goods because they came into their conference and they've been massively underachieving mm-hmm. for what they expected they were getting. You know, and Nebraska has to realize who they are. I mean, they're not, they're not who they think they are. You know, they 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 need to play to prove who they are because they they're not who they were in the nineties. I mean, they're the opposite of that. You know, and I think sometimes they lose sight of that too because they think they are Nebraska of the nineties. They're Nebraska of twenty twenty. You know, twenty nineteen. They're a they're a five step-top. and seven
2: football team. They
6: get their they get their butt beat in every time they play. So they're they're really nobody. They're they're. They're the lower echelon of the Big Ten schools. They don't like to think of themselves that way, but they are. I mean, wh- whatever Ohio State does, whatever Michigan State does, Purdue, Indiana, they follow. They have to. You know, and we don't like to think of ourselves that way, but that's the reality of it. That's who we are. I mean, anytime time we play somebody with a pulse, they pulverize us. Any time we play somebody with half a pulse, they beat us. So it's like until they can prove themselves, you know. But I get their side of it because they want to play, man. They they frustrating they really part. Hard.
2: Frustrating part, Shuey, is that maybe this is the year that that conversation changes.
6: then that, and that's yeah. And I I think that's part of the reason why he said what he said because mm-hmm. they have a lot of optimism down there that they they have a squad that can compete and they're trending in that direction. They really feel that that's, they're, they're going to put a good product out there that's going to be able to compete. Now they can't show it, you know, and they've worked hard to do that, and now they don't get to do it, you know. And we're just not that way. I mean, we don't, the Big Ten is, like I said, they're a blue bud program, man. What the, what the top schools say, you do, and you fall in line, period. And it's like, well, we don't really want to fall in line. We don't like to be told what to do. That's so, true. That's so true. We but, don't.
2: No, and, and for the longest time, it, it's weird because you were the rule maker,
6: you know? Exactly. And now you're not, so mm. it's tough to swallow that pill, you know? And they, like I said, the, the Big Ten has done Nebraska no favors other than a lot of money.
2: Yeah, that's so about
6: it. They no, They look at them as, as their, you know, their, their bad stepchild, man, mm. it's like, and they beat them like that. <laughs>
2: Do we go redheaded? <laughs> Shuey, we, uh, we will chat next week. Fit Friday coming up. You about five seconds.
6: Yep. Got a Fit Friday coming up uh, next Friday. So you want to come out and get fit, give us a holler, and we'll take care of you.
2: Go see Shuey at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, be good. Thanks for the time.
1: You bet. Oh, bye. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Got some emails to get to. Great to be with you on a Wednesday with Hale Varsity. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Jerry Donato was in about 30 minutes ago. Catch his interview and his take on Nebraska. The Ohio State situation that's been clarified. Uh, no more fall exploration by Ohio State. That from Gene Smith about 15 minutes ago. So uh, there's that. And, you know... There's still a hope, man. There is still such a hope that maybe something could be worked out fall-wise. We'll see if there's any option for a scrimmage or if you just go full spring uh, and and put your head down that way. Coach DiNardo did say, look, he'd be very surprised if, if, if we move forward, if the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, I know they said they're playing, but if they actually do play, I'm kind of leaning more towards that way. And the people making the decisions are so risk sensitive with the fallout, the liability, the the problem. And we, we didn't have time to ask him about just you can't have students on campus and take that tuition check and have that masked up in person in person lecture. And say that's okay. I mean, if you're going to punt football, you better punt in-person courses for college. Now, I know the contact difference. No one's getting tackled in a lecture hall unless you you have a really cool class. But no one in a lecture hall is getting tested for COVID two or three times a week. No, I know. You're not dropping 7G in testing.
0: I sure as hell feel a lot more in danger Going back in these college campuses, then it was the, the college students who are going and getting tested twice a week and have their temperature checked every single time. You're a pretty cautious to guy Stadium. too, because you're not you're not out socializing much. I mean, yeah, I don't want to catch COVID. I, I, I was doing my part to help save college football season.
2: You're drinking at home.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let's tell you about your friends at West Blue Realty, and uh, they can take care of you here if you're moving in 2020. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln surrounding communities. Make this move smooth for you in 2020. You mentioned Hale Varsity, and for a limited time, uh, West Blue can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby can help. Give Tom a shout at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's a good dude as well and he's blowing out some birthday candles today 402-202-2312 it pays to work with West Blue 1120 K Street suite 200 so the uh schedule is out per Max Olson with the Big 12 and I know we had that Twitter question earlier about okay the the uh the, the non-conference spot what's that mean you know the the Big 12 has not announced their non-conference spot Uh, They just did. You have Louisiana Tech and Southern Illinois and Arkansas State and Missouri State and Tulsa and Tennessee Tech and UTEP and Houston Baptist and Eastern Kentucky all slated. The open spot right now, Iowa State does not have a non-conference. Texas, question mark next to UTEP. Uh, Louisiana Tech and Baylor, Southern Illinois and Kansas, Arkansas State and K-State, Texas Tech and TCU, Tulsa. And Okie State, Houston Baptist and Texas Tech, uh, West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky. So, there you are. We'll see. Brad Edwards coming up. His thoughts on the SEC, ACC, Nebraska, and the Big Ten Hour 2 with Hale Varsity continues.
1: Power to a tail varsity. were
2: presented by the Nebraska lottery. Thanks to coach Donardo his uh, perspective on things and uh, the, the good teammate analogy that he spent some time on and see if Nebraska and the big 10 hug it out. Let's spend some time talking college football ESPN insider college game day. Brad Edwards with us, Brad been a bit of crazy week. What was your initial reaction to uh to to yesterday with the big 10 and Pac 12's decision to punt
4: well i can't say it was unexpected because there have been reports for so long with people predicting it um i'm a little surprised that given all the flexibility that the big 10 had bragged about that it had created in its schedule that they didn't give themselves a few more weeks now i mean maybe they just felt like there was no way that the situation could change enough in three weeks but um you know, the, the SEC, for example, has not come out and said we're definitely playing. They just said, you know, we're going to take our time before making a decision. And because they weren't planning on starting until three weeks after the Big Ten, I think it's safe to say they've got at least three weeks to make that, make that call. Um, so why did the Big Ten not have more time to do it? Why did they feel like they needed to do it yesterday? I don't know. I think the same questions were asked, you know, at the time when they uh, declared they were going to be conference only. Um, uh, for whatever reason, they wanted to be first, and they were.
2: What's the perception of the Big Ten around the, 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 the college, football, college football circles you are in touch with? Do they think, wow, bold move Big Ten or ego Big Ten? I mean, what's, what's kind of the feedback with this, with this call?
4: Well, I, I, think, I think it was pretty much expected, like I said, not mm-hmm. just because of the reporting, um, but, but just because of everything that's going on. And I, I think most people recognize this is the safe decision. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't make it the right decision or the wrong decision, but this is the safe decision. If you're going to err on one side, um, the side of safety for everyone is the direction that the Big Ten decided to go and the Pac-12 decided to follow them on. Whereas um, the others, I guess we're waiting to see we can't we can't say with certainty that they've decided to be reckless or to be risky but um, but but they're definitely going to to wait a little bit longer before making that call and, and I'll also add that I, I don't know that in all situations in life that just because something turns out well means that it was the right decision. You know so it, it's possible that the the SEC and the ACC and the big twelve could end up playing a full 10 game season this fall and nothing bad happens but just because it doesn't that doesn't in itself mean that it was the right decision to do it it just means that it it worked out for them so i don't think anybody would sit here and say that the big 10 made the wrong decision um it's just a question of is it going to look bad if the other power fives go out there and and are able to successfully play a fall schedule
2: that's uh where we go next what happens to the landscape of college football if in a month we're talking about the kickoff for the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12's already got a couple of games in per their schedule release and meanwhile the Pac-12 and Big 10 are watching and you have three leagues playing does does the Big 10 and Pac-12 get buried uh, not only in the recruiting world but also in the transfer portal I mean is this Cataclysmic for for the Big Ten and the Pac twelve when it comes to the uh, the Power Five.
4: Well, as far as the transfer portal, because we're talking about starting the season in late September, I'm I'm really not sure what opportunities there would still be for players to transfer out and into you know one of these other programs. I mean, you you'd be taking a lot of risk to do that now. You know, to leave a Big Ten school and say go to an ACC or Big Twelve school because you believe they're going to play. I mean, once again, they haven't said they're definitely going to play. They've just said that they're going to wait, you know, at least uh, we would assume three more weeks before they make that call. So they they could all end up in the same place, which is, you know, it's too risky and we're going to end up playing in the spring. And so if you if you if you transferred, um it might not end up uh being a good deal for you. So there's that on the recruiting side. I don't know. You know, I I think there are um There certainly would be an advantage to, you know, being able to watch teams play in the fall if you're a recruit as opposed to, you know, being recruited by other teams that aren't playing. But um, I I think you could uh, make the case that, that, look, if this is a situation where the recruits still are not allowed on campus, they can't, you know, make an official visit and be there in person. What difference does it really make? And of course, the the flip side is that I think some Big Ten or Pac twelve schools could potentially sell early enrollees on the idea that look, you could come in and play in the spring. Um, as far as I'm aware, I might be completely off base on this, but some of the some of the people that I've been reading yeah. who have I'm assuming done some research on it have suggested that you know that if you're an early enrollee, that you um, would be able to play in the spring season. If that's true. Then you know maybe that's an incentive to go to a you know to a school in the Big Ten or Pac-12 where you come in and play right away. There's so many factors, and I I mean I, I think Chris, the most fascinating would be if the the three conferences that are still holding out, if if they were able to successfully play a fall schedule, and especially if the college football playoff were to still take place with that group and they played it out, and they crowned a champion, what impact would that have on the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the way that they decided to approach the spring? Uh, and then on top of it, with, with, in theory, no national championship to play for, how many of the big-time t- big players, I mean, guys who are potential day-one NFL picks, would even play if, if, if all you're playing for? And I realize we're talking about Big Ten, Pac-12, and in, in theory that means Rose Bowl. Um, it's not a it's it's not a small deal to most of those schools, but um, I think to some of the big time players that's kind of a consolation prize um, if you can't play for a, a national title. So would they even play? And I think that's a legitimate question for the spring, regardless. So um, yeah, there there are different ways you could spend it, regardless of, of which side you're on. But um, yeah, but I, I think that's where it really gets interesting. Is if is if uh, three of those conferences play this this fall and the other two don't.
2: Brad Edwards with us, ESPN Insider, College Game Day. Say things are halted with the SEC, the Big the Big Twelve, and the ACC before we we ramp up to kickoff, uh, and they have to reshuffle to spring. W- w- will there be outcry, or will folks kind of look at what Ryan Day's floating out there, get things started in January, and let's try and forge forward? Or if spring's the option. Do you think everybody just kind of taps out and says, Well we'll talk to you in twenty in the fall of uh, 2021, 2022?
4: Yeah, I mean that's so hard to say. First of all, I think some of the urgency that you hear from Ryan Day is because of the three conferences that have not yet committed, you know, to um or I should say have not have not yet declared that they won't play in the fall. Right. You know, I I think this this idea that there are greener pastures elsewhere, or at least that there could be is a concern for him, and so he wants you know he wants to put a starting line in front of his players, you know to, to keep them focused, to keep them motivated, to maybe even in some cases to keep them in Columbus, um, so they're not looking for somewhere else to play. Um, I, I think you know whether whether the situation's any better to play in the spring. I mean, look, we've we've been hearing for for so long now that there's an expectation that this is going to get worse once flu season hits. So why we would be able to, unless there's a vaccine out there, mm-hmm. you know, why we would be able to play in January and February, um, I, I have no idea you know, why that would be any different than right now, shy of a vaccine. And so um, you know, that's, that's one point to it. Um, and then I, I think the other side, though, is that, is that if you're, if you're going to play for a legitimate championship, if you're talking about all the Power Fives and or basically all the conferences are, are pushed back to the spring, and there's going to be some sort of national championship. How many games do you need to play within conference in order to have a legitimate champion? Um, Could could they scale it back to where you only play within your division? You know, something like six games, and you have the two division winners square off, and then, you know, conference champ. But even still, you've got a four-team playoff in theory. That's what we have right now. You've got five conferences. I just don't know. Like it's just, the, it, it just, it, to me, it seems so far fetched. The idea of playing ten or more games in the second semester. I just don't see how that's going to happen. An abbreviated schedule, sure, that, that makes sense. But then you start, you know, even asking those questions about when can you start? Um, what's going to happen if the NFL doesn't move its draft? Um, right. You know, there are all sorts of messes associated with the spring. So it, it's not, it's not a simple solution by any means.
2: Brad Edwards is with us, ESPN uh, Insider College Football uh, reporter and uh, college game day. Brad, what's uh, what's your takeaway been from uh, Scott Frost's commentary uh, on Monday? Uh, Nebraska's stance with the Big Ten really not in alignment with the other 13 teams. I, I completely get where Coach Frost is coming from, and I look at this. Economically, and, and he's a guy piping up for his players. Uh, he has been treated like a pinata around the college football world by some uh, some talking heads on ESPN and, and other networks. But as you uh, read and saw what he had to say, what, what was your reaction to to Frost maybe not being in lockstep with the Big Ten?
4: I don't have any problem with a, you know, with a head coach, especially at an emotional time like this, when you put in so much work trying to make this happen, and um, and you know that there are others out there that are still trying to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And your conference, I don't want to say he's given up, but it certainly could feel that way if you're in his position. So um, I'm, I'm not going to criticize him for for feeling the way that he does, and especially for expressing that. I mean, we, we complain all the time about coaches being robotic and not, you know, not sharing their feelings. And I'm, I'm, you know, glad that some of the coaches, he's not the only one in the big 10 who did um, There are a lot who did. I think the, the only difference is that Nebraska as uh, an athletic department didn't really completely stand down after the big 10 announcement, whereas some of the others just kind of, I think they kind of mumbled under their breath and then, you know, didn't go public with everything. Um, but to me, unless unless Nebraska officially, as a university and athletic department, has made a threat against the Big Ten, then I really don't see what the big deal is. Because at the end of the day, and I, I know there are probably a, a lot of Nebraska fans that don't want to hear this, but if they've thought through it, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming you've talked through it, yeah, um, what are they going to do? Because they're not going to go out and play a non-Power 5 schedule. That's just not... That's not something that Nebraska would be interested in. Um, and so given the Power Five options right now, we already know the SEC is playing conference games only. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't get in the SEC. The ACC and the Big 12 are having one non-conference game per team. Um, and I think most of those were already set. Mm-hmm. So who's Nebraska going to play? I mean, they're really their only hope, and this is something that would have had to have been aligned you know, probably weeks ago would have been for the Big 12 to allow them for one season only, kind of like what Notre Dame did with the ACC, you know, to jump in, and then they could play a true round-robin with 11 teams. Everyone plays each other once, 10 games. Um, would have worked out great. Now, of course, the, the the other part that is a problem is you'd be needing the Big 10, to you know, to, to – to give its permission for Nebraska to do that. And if they do that, then, you know, then, then Iowa and India, any other number of schools are going to say, well, what about us? We want to we go play too. Right. So it's, it's just not going to happen. It's fun to talk about, and I respect the passion and all that, but the bottom line is who are they going to play? Like who's out there for them to put together, a, you know, a schedule of eight or more games against? And I just, I just don't see who the competition would be. So to me, it's kind of all a moot point.
0: Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, we move forward then to the talk of a, a spring season, and the Big Ten kind of went forward with this without even announcing their plans for the spring season, but I'm not sure if you've ever been to, to Nebraska in the spring, but it can stay cold up until April, even May sometimes. Spring sucks a lot of the time, Brad. <laughs> that's basically yeah, what that, we're trying to say. Yeah, sounds like Connecticut. So h- <laughs> how feasible is this spring season?
4: Yeah, so I've always thought this was an issue with the spring. Uh, is it especially when you're talking about Big Ten country. You know, Pac-12 is a little bit different, but Big Ten, and I, I know this from living in Connecticut. Um, it Look, it, it's one thing for everybody to have fun with a with a dusting of snow or maybe a couple of inches on the field in November. We all get excited about watching teams play in the snow. But in January and February, you're talking about you know a, a foot or more of snow that could be on the ground. Uh, and even if you play through it, that's not really football. I mean, it's fun, but you've, you've altered the game so much that um, it's not a, it's not a true test of, you know, who's the better team necessarily when you're playing in those types of conditions, not to mention, it's just pretty miserable. Um, I mean, I've I've talked talked to a number of guys who played in the NFL, who, you know, played at at Lambeau and Soldier Field and places like that. And, in the playoffs and that type of weather, and they're like, you know what, it's it's terrible, um, but you just got to get through it because you're paid to do it and, and you're competing for a championship. So, I, I don't think anybody wants to do that. Um, and, and if you're going to wait, I mean, look, there's still the threat of snow all the way into April, like you said, uh, and it can still be cold even into May. But but but, I think realistically, you can't expect to start playing games before late February. I think mean, that's kind of the best case scenario, and um, and in that case, how many games can you really, you know, expect to get in, in order to be able to, to wrap the season up in a satisfactory way, you know, with some sort of postseason? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you're 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 obviously going well past basketball season's end. You're you're probably going past you know graduation. Um, I don't know, and then of course, and then the other question, and and you you've probably seen a lot of people reporting on this today. What impact does that have on the fall of twenty twenty one? You know, you can't give the you can't give the players six weeks off, and then all of a sudden you start back practicing again for the next season. Football is just not the kind of sport that where the where the body can be treated that way. So there, it's just it's fraught with difficulty, um, you know, playing in the spring, and that's why I think that. You know, a mini-season is probably the best you can hope for, uh, especially in Big Ten territory.
2: Brad Edwards with us. Brad, awesome to get caught up. Thanks for your insight today, bud.
4: I'm just glad we didn't lose the signal this time. That's all good. You stay (laughs) safe and and healthy. Power and everything (laughs) held out. So uh, you guys hang in there. You too. Take care.
1: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught, preteen Swedish boy. Good stuff from Brad Edwards. Doubt, serious
2: doubt about spring. A lot of obstacles. Coach DiNardo doesn't think football is going to happen at all. That includes the SEC. Let's talk about impact to uh, friends, family, loved ones, neighbors, people you care about in the community. Without football, we bring on Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention, and Visitors Bureau, and Jeff does such a great job of uh, taking care of the capital city and uh, letting folks know what's happening around uh, town. Jeff, thanks for for jumping on and tough news yesterday, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on not only reaction but moving forward and trying to cope and manage with the the situation that is what uh what's been going on for you here the last 24 hours trying to put plans and and put out fires
3: well uh thanks for having me on chris and it, it's great to uh, again get a chance to talk to you I can, I can tell you what's going on in the last five now six months has, has been devastating to the hospitality industry we've uh we, we've done everything we can to to keep our hotels and restaurants and, and you know, everybody afloat since COVID hit us. And, you know, i got to thank the citizens of Lincoln for dining out and, and doing curbside and those things. And, you know, the devastating news yesterday was not having the expected revenue that we normally have every fall and winter with Husker Athletics. And that's, you know, football and volleyball. So... Uh, we're obviously very concerned about our hospitality partners in, in the industry and, and what they're going to do to get by. And, you know, this is millions of dollars. And, and, and these are, um, you got to keep in mind, Chris, these are people that have, a lot of them, been furloughed since March with the expectation that uh, I called it furlough fall. This is the opportunity for them to, to get back into full time and part time employment. And, tell hey, you, without Husker football and volleyball, it's, it's a pretty difficult uh, hill to climb.
2: Jeff Malls with us, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau joining us, Hale City Radio. Jeff, what's the number? What's what's a what's a weekend bring? Uh football related and, and just overall, uh what's what's a fall look like number wise financially for, for the city?
3: Well, you know, if you would ask me this question last year at this time or, you know, as we got ready for a season, you know, in in a good season, a non COVID season, we'd be looking at about a six a seven million dollar economic impact on our community per weekend so regardless of what time we played on saturday we were looking at a six to seven million dollar impact and that was felt with lodging taxes and sales taxes and you know community vibrancy and um you know that's a pretty significant number i don't know what that would have looked like chris had we had a season this year with 15 20 25 thousand people in the stands but i can tell you what if you didn't have a ticket, you were probably coming to Lincoln anyway and you were going to tailgate and take in the season because that's what we do every fall. And I think the important thing to remember is that campuses and communities and people, we all need fall sports and the resounding impact that it has on our state's financial and emotional well-being it cannot be understated, overstated, whatever you want to say. It's a significant impact on our our emotional and financial well-being. and it's just an empty spot that I think we all have right now. We're all angry. We're, we're all dealing with our emotions differently and trying to find ways that we can come out of this.
2: You know, the, the stance of health and safety is mm-hmm. been used by the PAC 12, by the big 10. And I, I, I thousand percent understand that you don't want someone getting sick long term. Uh, we've practiced social distancing, we've masked up and, People are trying to to live life, but live it cautiously and safely. As I look at it, you know, Nebraska and the the fan base has that been lost by some of the commissioners out there? And I mean, who knows what the Big Twelve ends up doing? Who knows what the SEC and the ACC will do? And they're kind of in a holding pattern. But you, you've got the city of Lincoln, you have Omaha, you have the state mm-hmm. of Nebraska, you have State College, you have Mad Town, where Barry's hanging out. I mean. Uh, the the folks that made the decision realized that this could be uh destructive a uh, like uh, ultimately destructive to to some some businesses
3: mm-hmm. well and, and I, I think to your question i i mean you know none of us are health experts i think we pretend to every day try to understand what COVID 19 is and you know what the impacts are have we had it have we not had it and you know, I don't think I can sit here and say what's right or wrong with health because the health mm-hmm. of all of us is important. We worry about it every day. Um, you know, blanket statements of, you know, canceling a season because it's a it's a great risk. It's different in every state, and and that's, I think, maybe a little bit of attention to what you're asking is. Yeah. I think the state of Nebraska has done a great job with this, um, and, and, and I think, you know, the safety and wellness of our players. But I would have to think, I would agree with Scott Frost in, in administration that these athletes are in a, in a great spot right now. They're, they're being tested. Um, they're isolated. They've been together these whole times. And I think it's, you know, hopefully a situation that would allow us to play some football, but that just hasn't been, hasn't been what we've done. But I think the citizens of Lincoln got to continue to mask up. We got to do what's right for the community and uh, try to get through this. And again, we've got to find a way um, to play some football in the fall. Um, you know, if you tell me spring football is what we got to look forward to, that's four, five, six months of, of um, you know, a slow time. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the things we've got to overcome. And maybe we've got to get behind the NSA and get behind Lincoln Public Schools and support our fall athletes and um, become big followers of high school athletics.
2: I was going to ask, uh, you know, what, what can folks turn their attention to mm-hmm. with their own budgets and help support the community when it comes to, to restaurants, when it comes to Downtown, mm-hmm. when it comes to the rail yard, when it comes to uh, just spots around town that that will need your patronage, mm-hmm. and and of course you, you hit on it. You're still going to have fall ball uh, at Seacrest on Thursday and Fridays, and over at Aldridge Field as well.
3: Yeah, and I think that's an important thing to remember. And and I, I touched on that at the start of the interview was, you know, we did we did a great job as Lincoln residents supporting our restaurants and our retail through the tough times. I mean, we. We made a dedicated effort to support local business, and, and we went out of our way sometimes to go support a business that was maybe hurting. I now shift my focus a little bit to, one, let's not change that mentality. Two, I got a lot of hotel people out there that have probably the cleanest and safest hotels they've ever had because of the new standards. And I would encourage families to you know, get an overnight at a local hotel and enjoy the swimming pool and enjoy all the things that are a local hotel away from your home because these four walls are getting closer and closer every day to driving us all just a little bit of crazy so um, we've got to continue to support our local community because everybody needs everybody now more than ever um without the uh the uh, the fall athletics that we've been talking about i could
2: totally sell to mama let's go stay <laughs> in a hotel and do some room service man
3: right right i mean it 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 it, it, it works and staycations is what that's all about, Mm -hmm. Chris. And we've talked about it for months is it's time to be a tourist in your own hometown. It's time to enjoy a staycation, maybe before the kids go back to school and that window's getting narrow, maybe on a weekend um, and, and tell family and friends to come visit. Because again, our hotels are a great place to be. Our restaurants are doing a great job and, you know, we've got an economy to support and our office at the convention and visitors bureau um, we're working every day. We've had three meetings now in the last 24 hours about ways that we can turn the focus back to our hospitality industry without football and make sure that these, these opportunities still exist. And uh, We hope to have some ideas here in the next couple, two or three weeks because we're waiting to see if there's any way the Huskers can play football and um, see how things go.
0: Jeff, at the moment, looks like no Husker football, though. So, when yeah. those Saturdays do roll around uh, in the fall, what are you going to be doing, and what can I do to support local business on on a Saturday uh, in Lincoln specifically?
3: I think we all go to our brewery, don't we? <laughs> are you saying when we have football or when we don't have football? A- if what, we don't have question?
0: football, I'm not going to be sure what I'm going to be able to do with myself yeah. if there's no football.
3: Yeah, I think there's going to be a bit of creativity that we're all going to have to come up with, and, and um, you know, put ourselves in in a game day mode and. You know, we've been watching a lot of replays and and different things over the years, but I think we can't give up on the economy. We've got to go to the local pub. We've got to support the rail yard. Um, We've still got to shop. And, you know, I don't know if it's a virtual season that I have in mind, but I think there's a lot of really good options to, to have it feel like a game day in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I know there's a lot of businesses out there that have reached out to me today saying, without Husker football, We've got to create game day atmosphere. We've got to create virtual opportunities for this community to still take in what might have been and, and, and really show our Husker pride.
2: You know what? Let's get the 97 Missouri Tigers and the 97 Huskers on a field, maybe Seacrest, maybe <laughs> out at Tierra Park, and just put flags on them and let's, let's right. rock and roll.
3: I love it. I, you know, I told Todd Ogden yesterday with DLA I can see flag football on the streets of downtown Lincoln. It might be a little rough, but... Let's make something like that happen.
2: Yeah, I just got to dodge that parking meter, Jeff. You know, <laughs> I love it. Jeff Ma, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. Jeff, how can folks uh, get in touch with you or reach out if they need to?
3: You know, Lincoln.org is our website. We've got a lot of great events going on there. Our visitor center at uh, 7th and P is now open 4345348. And if anybody has any questions for me or, or have opportunities uh, to do some things different this fall, please get, uh, get in touch with me and we'll we'll start to work on some plans.
2: Jeff, I'm bringing the eye black. All right. Take care, man. Thanks again. All right. See ya. All right. Jeff Maul with us. Uh, just kind of laid out what some of the responsibility is if uh, you can pitch in to your community. Obviously, Lincoln, where we're uh, based out of, but folks in central Nebraska, folks in Columbus, folks around the state. Um, you were so good about dining out and helping out with uh, local businesses that have been there for you a lot of years. And it's OK to go live and uh, we'll figure out the uh, the fall. To, together. So uh, we'll kind of put our hands in and say break. Email from Ted. I love hearing from Ted. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. In my opinion, many of the Nebraska, maybe many of the people sounding off against Nebraska, that's Wilbon, that's Desmond, that's Feinbaum. Uh, they're saying some of the things uh, they wanted to say when Nebraska joined the league. The most critical voices are sportscasters who are Big Ten, alum, Big Ten alumni. I was a Northwestern alum when I came to NU to get my doctorate. I can vouch for the fact that the Big Ten alumni are more arrogant than any other Power Five conference. You know, um, there, there is that perception about the Northwestern crew, and I know some Northwestern folks. I love them, and I also know the Big Ten Loves to, I, I poke fun at them that when they drink their wine, their pinky is out. But they, they probably do know what, what good wine tastes like because they make a boatload of money.
0: I mean, you also got to remember that they're prideful, the Big Ten. And Nebraska came in saying, oh, we're going to come in and dominate the Big Ten. Like, this is, it's a sleeping giant of a conference, and we're Nebraska. So you got all, there's probably some, some pent up emotion from that. There, there's,
2: there's middle fingers both ways. Oh, yeah. And it, it's 11 years old. Uh, We'll talk about that heart ailment next that's causing panic.
1: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it at
2: Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Uh, Dr. Brandon Seifert is with us. Dr. Brandon, tough news on Tuesday with uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and college football. Thanks for your time today. And let's dive into some of the, uh, the topics medically that went into the Big Ten's decision. And uh, you know what? There was an essay I read probably about a week and a half ago or so, maybe maybe a week ago, it's turned in, into a blur, but you had the, the mother from the Indiana football player talking about her son, who was in great health and great shape, uh, come down with some heart issues uh, after catching COVID. And uh, that's where I want to kind of focus today with the jock doc and kind of take it from there if you could, as far as the, the, the heart ailment that's been a concern and maybe uh, one of the reasons uh, of several that led to canceling a fall football season,
8: yeah, you bet chris, um so obviously some you know super disappointing news with the football season, the big ten in particular um you know, I'll, I'll attempt to step in and put on my cardiology hat today, even though I'm an orthopedic doc, uh, but definitely have been reading a lot about this, especially just in the last couple of days with this whole concept of, you know, this cardiomyopathy that that can develop myocarditis. It's kind of the other term for it. Um, so, you know, as we kind of transition through this, you know, we've known in our severe COVID patients that the virus itself can cause harmful effects upon the heart, basically upon the muscular tissue of the heart. And that's common with a lot of different viruses. So that's not a new thing. We thought it really only impacted the you know most severe kind of cases of COVID, and they kind of just studied it, you know, the older population that had the most severe cases. Obviously, as this is unfolding, this is all new data. It's a new disease. And so we're just unfortunately going to have a lot of kind of evolving information here, which makes this tough to set up treatment protocols. Anyway, as we've gone along through this, it went from, you know, most severe cases, we're going to study this, to, hey, what about people who are asymptomatic? or had kind of mild cases of, you know, COVID, what's that do to their heart, uh, muscular tissue? And then now it's evolved to, hey, what about people who are totally asymptomatic, Who really didn't have any symptoms at all? Did this virus have any, you know, trauma or injury to their heart tissue? And then, you know, why is that important? Does that impact our athletes? How does that impact our athletes? So just kind of rewinding you know rewinding what this is, so myocarditis is basically an inflammation of the muscular tissue that that is the heart, and viruses can cause you know damage in a lot of ways it causes inflammation, it can cause scarring of the, the muscular tissue of the heart. Um, you can also get uh, with, with COVID it leads to some blood clotting issues so patients end up with you know blood clots in their legs, blood clots in their lungs that clotting cascade also can impact the heart so you can have damaged or lost you know heart tissue because of that and that's kind of where this process happens. So then the question becomes, okay, if that damage occurs to the tissue, how much regenerative potential does the heart have to heal itself, to function normally again? If it's going to do that, we don't know the answer to that long term of how much repair work happens in the heart long term and how does that, you know, function kind of change over time as that, you know, healing occurs and how much healing does occur. And then kind of stratifying the risk of okay, if you do have this damage to your heart, you know, what does it look like at three months, at six months, at a year with that? damage occurring can you still play sports when can you play sports that's kind of the whole thing that we're debating at this point we just don't know the answer to it why it's important is is if somebody has this inflammation of the heart tissue you develop the scarring of the cardiac muscular tissue what can happen is is you know the heart has to beat with a certain rhythm and so as you scar in that myocardium that tissue that rhythm can change and then you can basically if you're out playing sports being really active you could kick into a rhythm that doesn't allow the heart to beat Appropriately, They can't, you know, basically push blood out of the heart. And then essentially you end up with what we call a fatal arrhythmia or a fatal, basically, basically, heart rhythm. And that's the big concern here is if you have an athlete who had kind of asymptomatic COVID, you don't do any further testing. They feel great. They go back. They play sports. Now they could be putting themselves in a situation where they could kick into a fatal heart rhythm that could kill them on the football field. Um, Kind of similar to another thing that's out there, sudden cardiac death, uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is kind of the term for that. We always try to rule that out in our athletes who are at risk of having a sudden cardiac death. Having myocarditis could put you into that category of having a sudden cardiac death event occur or emergency event occur while playing sports. So that's where the big fear comes from. And so now that they've discovered this, um, they've also discovered that you know it's a small number of asymptomatic patients who actually have this impact their heart and cause long-lasting effects. So it's a small number, it's probably somewhere in the order of 1 to 6%, probably more like 2 or 3% of patients with COVID, young patients with COVID, are going to have cardiac issues associated with it. And of that, probably 2 to 3%, half of those patients are probably totally asymptomatic. And so how do you basically screen for that? Is this big debate that's happening now? How do you do that? Obviously, the cost of doing that is incredible. You know, will insurance even pay for it since you're now basically trying to test asymptomatic things? Insurance is terrible about covering anything Mm -hmm. these days, but trying to cover stuff that's asymptomatic is going to be a battle. And these are expensive things. So as we lay out that treatment course, what's essentially going to happen here, the NCAA is already basically putting this into play. And it's going to be a trickle-down effect is if somebody has a positive COVID test or a positive antibody they test this is at some point they've had COVID, They'll need to go through a cardiac workup, whether they're you know symptomatic or asymptomatic. And that's going to involve taking some troponins, it's cardiac enzymes. It's going to involve doing an electrocardiogram, then it's going also involve an echocardiogram, which is kind of the debatable part at this point. And that involves obviously a visit with a cardiologist, yeah. which again is going to incur a lot of cost. And so that's what they're trying to figure out is how do you set those testing protocols up for those athletes. And then from that, if they are basically asymptomatic, all those tests are normal, then you kind of kick them into that basically 14-day recovery period of you have to be 14 days of being asymptomatic of COVID. Then once you reach that 14 days of being asymptomatic, you can go back and do your basically return to play program over five or six days, which is kind of similar to like a recovery from concussion. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that, you can go back and play. So that's kind of a 21-day minimum of being asymptomatic, and getting back to play, which again is a pretty long time if if you you know contract to COVID, and that's in best case scenario situation. If somebody has symptoms, obviously from myocarditis. Then you're looking at at least probably being out for three months, if not longer. Probably going on some medications, and then the question will be ultimately is we don't know yet. How's that going to impact you? And can you ever, you know, come back and play after that? My guess is going to be yes at some point, but there might be some who never totally recover and may not be able to, you know, go back and play because of the cardiac risk. Okay. Sorry, that's a long one. No, that's (laughs) that's perfect.
2: Uh, Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc. Wednesday, myocarditis is what we're hitting on. And it's a heart condition that's been linked with COVID. And uh, it comes down to concern. It comes down to cost. It comes down to liability. And uh, that's part of this equation as to what happened Tuesday with the Big Ten and Pac-12. Dr. Brandon, I've got about a minute left. Uh, your take with, with, with playing football specifically, and I think Hank Gathers on the basketball court because of how, mm-hmm. how he passed. And I loved watching him play. But with, with myocarditis, is football going to expedite a, a death sentence? And I hate to be so blunt with that, but is football going to be uh, something that enhances your, uh, your likelihood of, of dying from this?
8: You know, the the issue there would be is, yes, if you have, you know, if myocarditis has occurred in you and you have enough scarring that, you know, it puts you in that category, having a risk of, you know, cardiac arrhythmia event, then yes, it could do that in a very small number of patients. Just, so just again, from a timeline. Our jobs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the issue is going to be. Being able to tease that out and and do enough testing where you are able to capture that population and protect that small number of population that has enough of a cardiac damage to warrant further testing and further, basically, Mm. rest and recovery.
2: Dr. Brandon, we are out of time. Fascinating information. And thanks for your work and thanks for jumping on
8: with us. You bet. You guys take care.
1: Miss us?
0: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing.
1: We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailbarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up partner. Back to hail varsity Radio.
2: Well, this just in from the NCAA. Can we do a Dean warmer voice? The Division I Council uh, recommended the Division I Board of Directors provide fall sports student-athletes who compete and then opt out of future participation or have a season cut short due to COVID, one, an extension of their five-year period of eligibility, two, An additional season of competition if they participate in 50% or less of the maximum number of uh, competitions allowed in each sport by Division I rules. So players get both a sixth season if they're in a fifth season and an extra season if they play less than 50%. It's a recommendation the Board of Governors have to pass it. School's got to pay for it. You've got an eighty to $120 million shortfall. How do you pay for it? That's just Nebraska who's in good financial standing. And how do you pay for it if, hypothetically, you tell the league to piss off? <laughs> because you're $54 million. I don't know. It's been an interesting 48 hours. I think Nebraska is going to... Stay silent. Continue to figure out if they can get a, air quote, scrimmage granted. That North Dakota thing is cool. Maybe that's a spring thing. I don't know. Uh, Jeff Colhane touched on that yesterday. But I, I just pray that you get to keep your team together. And you keep them here. And you keep them safe. Because if dudes start going home, I mean, that's part of the, you know, Elijah, we were talking about kids that some of the high profile kids out of Florida that just took off. Right. I mean, one kid went to Central Florida, one went to Florida Atlantic. Kids went home during COVID and it's hard enough for some kids to leave home. And then they ended up just leaving the program. That That's a reality, too. And I know this is all there are bigger things than football there's life, there's health, there's people trying to keep their lights on. I mean there's there's a pecking order but football helps with some of that and that's kind of what we're focused on. So good on the NCAA. NCAA proposing that they better reach into their own freaking pocketbook in the end if the NCAA is the one who said eh, no waivers allowed eh, fine but there better be some some, some supplementation financially coming four universities and in turn four communities I mean there needs to be and, and, and you've gone through it especially if your business has been hit hard I mean you, you've reached out and tried to get the bridge loans right to, to keep your businesses open there needs to be more of that from an option standpoint and you want to keep folks and livelihoods around If you shut this thing down I thought what, what Coach DiNardo made a lot of sense with he doesn't think football is going to happen this fall anywhere. And Brad nailed the point about how spring's super difficult. We'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll get Coach Barnett's perspective. Thanks to Coach DiNardo. Thanks to Jeff Mall talking finances with us. Thanks to Brad Edwards. Talk to you tomorrow at four.